if you want it to be professional, if you want it to sound good, if you want it to be something that has maximum value because people aren't distracted by you stumbling over your own words, then you're going to have to invest in yourself. You're going to have to take time and you're going to have to sacrifice. Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journeys series, where James Robert uncovers and explores some of the industry's biggest digital marketing and sales stories of success. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 70th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series and I'm excited to welcome Greg Martin to the show. Greg is the entrepreneur's banker. He is a certified profit first banker and a strategic banking advisor as a commercial banker for Truist. Welcome to the show, Greg. Jim Robert, thank you so much for having me and thank you, first off, thank you for what you do on this podcast, really helping people like me and executives and, and people in the financial services world to get into the 21st century. So thanks for kicking us that way. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And to flip it around, you and, and others like you, other leaders, you're the reason why I continue to do what I do, because I really believe that all transformation begins with two things. One, by telling the truth, telling the truth to ourselves, where we've been, where we are, and where we can continue to grow. And then number two, transformation begins just with training and education, gaining new insights and clarity into what the future could be. And and so that's what I want to talk about, specifically around just your own personal transformation, your own personal growth, thinking about the future. I really can't help but think of the role of personal branding as a banker in this post-COVID digital world is gonna be more important now than ever before. And even saw this morning a, a, an article that Jay Palter had shared. Jay was uh, a, a guest uh, on the show on episode 51 talking about humanizing digital experiences. And the article he shared was titled, Investing in Your Personal Brand. And a quote that Jay, Jay had noted was, don't wait until business is slow or it's time to find the next job before you think about working on your personal brand. The time to mend the hole in the roof is when the sun is shining, not when the storm comes. So thinking about personal brand and just your own journey of growth, can, can we just first start off with why? Why take the time to build a personal brand in this digital post-COVID world we're all navigating through together? Uh, well, first off, I, I like to know when <laughs> Jay thinks that banking is slow. <laughs> I mean, I, I pulled an all-nighter. I'm sure there's a lot of other bankers that did that. First off, let me say, last year, especially during the PPP1 rollout, entrepreneurs had it the most difficult. Without a doubt, they were struggling, and we needed to step up, and we did. But daggone, I have not pulled an all-nighter since I was in school, but during PPP, it was it was all night. So it's never going to be slow. <laughs> I don't think it is. And I think it's a, an important point because this is really about intentionality. 
It's about creating space and time. But the only way we're going to create space and time is if we have awareness and clarity into why this is important to begin with in the first place. So thinking and reflecting on your own journey, why take that time? Why create that space and time when there is so much that we could be doing to really focus on building a personal brand? Well, I, I think I'll answer that um, with, a, with a little bit of a story. I, I'm a bit of a Marvel nerd. I, I've got a 12-year-old, and so we nerd out on all the Marvel movies. And, and I think it was uh, one of the Iron Man movies, but it was, it was a vision that Tony Stark had of the future and the future of all of the Avengers that were all laid out and they were all defeated. So I had my vision. And my vision happened in 2018 in Austin, Texas, at, at a conference that was hosted by Precision Lender. It's the, the Bank on Purpose conference. And uh, that's another great banking podcast. And uh, their CEO, Carl Rydeen and Jim Bruce, who we're both friends with and, and know very well, they both said something. And Jim took the stage and he said, here's what I think the future is going to be like. I'm going to sit in my hot tub and I'm going to be, hey, Siri, you know that $2 million building I've been looking at? And because Siri is connected to your iPhone, she knows the maps that you're going. She's connected to your email. So she sees the email back and forth to your realtor. She sits on top of your bank. So she sees money coming in and she sees money going out. That's rent. That's utilities. That is salary. That's an owner's draw. That's a loan payment. She's connected to all your banks so she can see your assets and your liabilities. And so Siri's smart enough to instantaneously have a balance sheet and an income statement. And Siri's, and you're going to say, okay, James Robert, congratulations. The Entrepreneur's Bank just has the best rate and the most flexible terms. Do you, do you want to go ahead and set closing for April 13th? Remember, you can't do it on the 12th because Susan's anniversary, you have a lunch that day. Um, so do you want me to go ahead and get the appraisal started? And when that day comes, that's, that's faster. That's a heck of a lot better user experience than me. You've got something that I, I'm not going back and forth asking multiple questions. They have the quantitative power to be able to say yes, almost instantaneously. And when that day comes, then if the only value that a commercial banker is to clients is a conduit to cash or a lunch or a golf outing, if that's the only value that happens, then I'm dead. I'm mm. worthless. I deserve to not be in that entrepreneur's fab five. And I talk about being in the fab five, those five people that entrepreneurs surround themselves that push them to success. And if all I am is someone that can, can give and take a commodity, i.e. an account or a loan, then that is that I'm, I don't have any value. So the realize so when I realized that was where I think this world is going, that was my Tony Stark moment. About that same time, I started listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. Let's talk about Gary because, and I think when you look at your personal brand, and everyone right now, go look at Greg's LinkedIn profile. This is important because you brand yourself as the entrepreneur's banker. How did Gary Vaynerchuk love him, hate him? I mean, he is such a polarizing figure. And I think there's some lessons to be learned even just with Gary's personal brand. But how did Gary inspire you to get started down this journey, kind of like this transformative Tony Stark moment when listening to Jim Maroos? 
Well, I think that as I was listening to him, and and I struggled with it for probably, well, first off, it it varies in acquired taste. So it took me a good month and a half to to be like, well, this guy's just full of it and full of himself to actually hear what he's saying and to listen and to see the, the truth in it. And then it was like, okay, well, that's that's great. That That's great for an entrepreneur that owns a lawn care service and they mm. can do whatever the heck they want. They can say whatever the heck they want. I, I work in a very regulated industry and I'm not anywhere near the top of my food chain. So there's a whole lot of layers of, of complexity that that if I allowed it to, could allow me to be defeated and say, don't worry about it, just move on. But the fact of the matter is it's like, why not? You know, and, and the, the one quote that I knew that this was important and I knew that building a personal brand was going to be a way that first and foremost, I was able to connect with the entrepreneurs that get the most out of me. And I think that's a problem a lot of bankers have. Bankers want to be all things to everybody. And that's just not the case. So I wanted to connect with the entrepreneurs that get the most out of me that I enjoy that do not beat me up over every single rate and fee and every little thing. I mean, I, I, I want to be respective of that. But at the end of the day, banks provide value and service and they should be compensated for that. But I don't need a client beat me up over an SFP that they cause themselves. That's key because now what you're talking about is a repeated pattern and theme that I'm hearing from others. It comes down to being very focused and being very clear about who you as a banker can create value for. It you, to your point, it's not about being all things to all people and and even a shout out to Jeffrey Kendall who's the CEO at Nimbus. You know, one of the things that he has written prolifically about and really speaking about is and, and to use his words right here, it's niche is the new local for banks and credit unions. It's niche is how you connect to the communities you serve and to create growth opportunities. So Thinking about this, um, and and I want to take, you know, just get your perspective here because you've been living this. What is one commonly held belief in this banking industry about personal branding in this digital world that people might have, but you passionately disagree with? Where might others be, be wrong? Uh, I think that I'm going to speak from a banker's perspective, from a commercial relationship manager. I mean, those those men and women who are on the front lines, step by step with the entrepreneurs that we serve. Yeah, I, I think that one of the challenges that they have is that there's fear. Hmm. Go go back to what I said earlier. I mean, I could have been afraid that. And and I work for a very large, complex banking organization. I mean, I work for one of the big six. Yeah. And there is a lot of regulation and there's a lot of reputation risk that is associated with it. And bankers might be afraid that I go out and I say something or if someone takes my advice the wrong way, that it could be, you know, I, I could destroy their business. Well, I would ask, what advice are you giving them? Because the advice that I give is pay down debt, hoard cash, (laughs) be flexible, don't overextend yourself. 
if you go bankrupt doing those things, then we have got much bigger problems. And so, so you have to, you have to be wise about it. You have to actually go and engage your HR department. You have to, you have to understand, okay, what, what are the social media guidelines that I have? And then you need to be very clear on that. You know, I cannot use, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a success story here in a minute, but none of my content, zero, I, will, I have never put out and I never will put out, hey, if you want a loan or if you need a, a checking account, come see me. I will never, ever do that. And I will never do that first and foremost, because that is not the point of me creating content. Mm -mm. The point of me creating content is to empower and to serve the entrepreneur. And, and if, if I earn that right to be able to serve them, well, we can talk about that on, on the off measure, but I will never sell them. And the second that you slip that in there, it just means it's so needy and it's about you. And it's never about you. You say it, Jim Robert, they are the hero. Yeah. You as an entrepreneur, as, as a commercial RM, need to empower them 1,000% of the time. Right there. That's it. You talk about empowerment. Now, I'm going to go to, to two other sides of that because I look at this as almost a, a trifecta. Education leads to empowerment. Empowerment then leads to elevation, regardless of if they ever come back and do quote unquote business with you. You're leaving the world a little bit better place then you found it. And it's the mantra that I teach, help first, sell second. And that has to be believed internally and really throughout the organization. But I think if there's one thing that I'm hearing, it's so important. You're not going to talk about a loan or a checking account with your content because that's where some of the the regulations and you know you can get clamped down on pretty quickly so that it's not about you you said something before this idea of where people get stuck it's fear but you ask yourself a very important question why not why not go down this path why not go down this journey and i think if there's one thing that you can maybe share with others is what have been the opportunities as a banker that you have been able to either create, capture, or just further capitalize on by building your personal brand in this post-COVID digital world? And you had a jumpstart on this. So I think, I think this is where a lot, can, a lot of others can, they can learn from you and really just be inspired. So what have, what have been some of the opportunities here? Well, first and foremost, the biggest thing that needs to be broken is your own paradigm. When I started this journey, it, it was, okay, um, I'm going to put this content out. I think I know that it's valuable. I know entrepreneurs need it. I have zero expectation of getting any business from it. Zero. And it was, it was May, excuse me, it was July 31st of 2018 when I posted my first article on LinkedIn. And for the next two years to, to have created over a hundred articles and videos, it's a heck of a lot of work. But my paradigm, and, and, and if you have asked me on August 1st of 2018, okay, Greg, 
someone from Colleen, Texas, which is about an hour and a half away from where Bryan College Station is, where I sit. If they came to you and wanted to to do a, a loan, could you do it? I'd say no. Okay, Greg, what, what about someone that's over in Tennessee? Could you do the loan for them? And I'd say no. And what, what, about, what about someone that you don't even know that's in your town that you met because you hosted them on a podcast that you host? If they came to you and said you'd want a loan, I'd say, well, maybe. You know, we'll see. But that's not the, and again, the purpose of the podcast is not about getting loans and getting business for me. It's about elevating the But James Robert, I have, <laughs> I have done a loan for an entrepreneur that's in Colleen, Texas. I'm looking at doing a loan for someone that's in Kentucky. I'm looking at doing a large loan for an entrepreneur that was on the podcast. And that breaks paradigm. That breaks the paradigm of old school community bankers where I'm going to be at Bryan College Station. I might be down in Houston, which is about 90 miles away. I might be, if, but there's got to be a tie back to, to Bryan College Station. But why? Why? In this COVID world, I haven't gone and seen my clients that are three miles from me. And so if I can sit there and have a good communication with an entrepreneur in, in Tennessee or Kentucky, how is that any different? Now, now there are some, I, I will say that there are some caveats. You know, if you, it depends on what you're doing. If you're investing into some type of commercial real estate or something that is that area specific, you know, five years ago, when I moved back to Bryan College Station, there were student the Texas A&M universities here and there are student housing complex coming out of the ground and everybody was, was financing and doing that. Well, we're in a market market right now that you might say that we're a little bit oversaturated and you would not have known that without having boots on the ground. So I've realized that there is risk not being on the ground, but if you have, you can get reports. If you have, I'm lucky enough that there's a bank there's a there's a BB and T that literally is ten minutes from this client. Right. I mean, it's gonna make them mad that I'm doing the loan, but it's like, well, whose fault is that? You were you were ten minutes away from them. Why they came after me? Because so it's, it's, you're breaking that paradigm. Technology has transformed our world, and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now, consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book, that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. It's basic human relationship of, I need to know you before I like you, like you before I can trust you. But that's idea of no like, and trust is being built in a different type of a fashion now. And I think further, when I'm hearing you talk through this 
community. Community has been redefined. I literally was just having this conversation in episode number 69 uh, with Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. And technology, you know, we were talking about borders and you know how borders are are starting to pop up even the idea of quarantine you know if you travel from one country to another you have a 14 day quarantine well that's a border but what digital is doing digital is tearing down borders of what and there's some paradigm shifts that are going there I can't help but think and go back to episode number two uh, with with Jim Maroos. You know, he's talking about this idea of you've got to disrupt your own thinking. You have to transform your own thinking, and and the only way we can do this is by by not focusing on the limitations, because because this is this is really about you know first principles or principles first thinking. You know, what are the opportunities instead of worrying about the limitations? So yeah, these are really great examples of how you and College Station, Bryan College Station, have been able to make an impact on a much larger playing field for a much larger community. But I want to come down to this idea of back to niche and focus and how this has been helpful because you mentioned entrepreneurs, right? But even if I think about entrepreneurs, you can even start segmenting and subdividing that you have attorneys you have healthcare professionals you have you know franchises and i know one bank that that i'm advising right now they are really looking at building a a model around franchise growth can 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 you dive a little bit deeper just into your focus of entrepreneurs and what you are educating them and and empowering them through the content you're producing and sharing yeah, definitely. And, and I believe a hundred percent that there's riches in the niches. Mm. It, it's there. And, and, and when you talk to your bankers, when you talk to your clients and they tell you, this is my perfect customer, this is the person that gets value out of me and I can charge more because they understand my value. Then you sit there and you applaud them. You say, "Fantastic, great job! You're you're increasing your your margin. Your gross profit margin is going through the roof. Your profitability, your EBITDA, so your debt services coverage is going down. All these bank nerd terms we come in, and we applaud them, but we don't apply the same principle to us. You know. So um, the book that I read that, that made this crystal clear for me was another. I'm a huge Mike Michalowicz fan, and and obviously as a certified profit first professional. But Pumpkin Plan is an amazing book that, that go, drills into it. And he says, here's the difference. You have a doctor that goes through all the medical school and they are a general practitioner. And then you've got a heart surgeon who goes through a little bit more medical specialization. The general practitioner has 3,000 patients. That is the constant churn that you see for 15 seconds because the name of the game is for them to see as many people as possible. Absolutely. They're not going deep. If your general practitioner moved to the other side of town, you probably would not be willing to go an extra five minutes to go see them. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I go find somebody else. I mean, maybe if you had a longstanding relationship, perhaps, but probably not. If you have a hard problem, you will fly 2,000 miles up to the Cleveland Clinic. To, to speak to the number one heart person because that that doctor, all they do is hearts. They know the problems that they're going to have. They're going to be able to anticipate issues with the surgery. They're going to be able to give you so much more advice. And you know what? That cardiac surgeon 
is working three days a week, the other doctor is working seven, the cardiac surgeon buys the other doctor's house to knock it down so that he can have more space because he has value and he's clearly defined that value and people chase after him. That is what the power of niching, finding riches in the niching is. Wow. There's so much truth to that. And, you know, stuff that I've experienced just myself personally over the years. And I think the more that we do this, the more that we learn about ourselves, coming back to this idea of all transformation starts by telling the truth first and foremost to ourselves, the more that we uncover what those truths are, because it's so easy to think, oh, if I'm going to focus, well, I'm giving up all of this quote unquote other opportunity that's available out there. So how can can one who might be thinking about this, but maybe struggling a little bit because they conceptually get it, but they're still having some type of a block saying, "Ah, I just can't go there yet. How can we move them across to the other side to fully commit to a niche, whatever that niche might be to focus on, you know, creating the most value for maybe a smaller group of people but it's not about the transaction anymore. It's really about transforming people's lives or businesses. How do we help them overcome that mental roadblock there? Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll say three things and I'll try to make them quick. First off, I want you to be honest with me if you're a banker, what do you feel at eight o'clock on January 2nd? You feel great. Last year was awesome. I started zero. I got to build it all again this year. I got to hit all my goals again this year. Wouldn't it be awesome if entrepreneurs were flying 3,000 miles to come to you to say, I want you to do my loan to chase after you? Mm. Two, the thing about finding a niche is that you find a niche that gives you joy and life. If you are a, a fitness fanatic, and you you are into Spartan games or Tough Mudders or something like that, then go be the Spartan banker. Maybe you love to bank. Be a baking a baking banker, you know, where you deliver cupcakes or bread. You know, but these are and, – and then you're going to attract people. You're going to attract the things that give you life, that give you a sense of well-being beyond a transaction. And then three – what one of the most difficult things that bankers, the objectives that we come up with is moving the deposit account because they're so sticky. And honestly, if I if I was able to make a fintech right now, I would make a fintech that makes it easy for the transition and the reallocation of all the automatic deposits over, you know, auto drafts. That would be a fantastic fintech. We could probably sell it for millions. But anyway. That's really hard. And, and so bankers have to overcome that. And as a concierge banker, like the attitude that I have, then you know we help with that. We help fill out the forms. We make calls. We do all that stuff. But that's still a struggle. James Roberts, since I became a profit-first banker, I basically said, you know, I, I can't charge you for my profit-first consulting. But what I do require is that you need to bank with me because I still get paid by my by Truist. And Truist expects me to bring value to you, but bring value to the organization as well. And so it's not fair for me to take my time away from my current clients. So I can, I won't charge you to be a profit first consultant, but you have to move your bank accounts to me. Okay, cool. 
Literally, that is how that conversation goes. Zero struggle because they see the value. And you've taken the, the time and may have made personally, you've made a lot, a tremendous amount of deposits into their own trust fund that sits between their ears. And so whenever it comes to making that commitment to then create even more value through your profit first consulting, it really is a no no brainer. Coming back to, to your idea of the fintech, I have the perfect name for that because it really it's you know that's that is gold. And I would sell it not for millions; I'd sell it for for billions, if not even trillions, because that's that's the value creation. If we can get not only the the lending relationship, but those those deposit assets, I'd call it Control C, Control V. Make it as making it as simple as copying and pasting those assets from one account to the <laughs> other, or cutting them from one account to the other. So, you know, maybe you need to cut that part. So no one needs to hear that at all. That's our idea. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put it out there. I mean, if it it becomes reality, then they know that they got it. uh, They got it right here. But let me ask you, let me ask you when, when it comes to this journey that you've taken, what are just some of the roadblocks I think for others to be aware of? You're a little bit further ahead things to watch out for that they just don't get tripped up, stumble and fall. If there's one thing that I can think of, it's really commitment because you've talked about, you know, over a hundred pieces of content, videos, articles, podcasts, and it's taken time. But when we look at the roadblocks, what are, what are things that people need to be aware of that they can learn just from what you've taken on your own journey here? Yeah, I think that that's, I can kind of answer this from a philosophical, you know, identifying who your market niche is and all that, but I, I, I want to get real practical. So if if you're going to do this, just do it. It's not that difficult. LinkedIn was the first place that I put it. Literally, you just type your words and you post it. If you're not good at typing, then hold up a phone and shoot a video. Pelpina Trip. If you guys are not connected to her on LinkedIn, she's she is phenomenal. She she will teach you how to use your cell phone to shoot all the videos and her book lays out everything. So mad props to to Pelpina for teaching me how to do that. You're going to have to invest a little bit in, um, so if written content doesn't work and you're afraid of being on video then hit, just hit record and do an, uh, do an audio, a one minute segment or two minutes. Hey, you know, here's some quick tips about how you can be more financially strong today, whatever that is. You know, it's, it's not difficult. Now, this is where Gary V lies to you because he says, just do it. Just, just record it. Just put it out there. And that's good. And that's great. But if you want it to be professional, if you want it to, to sound good, if you want it to be something that has maximum value because people aren't distracted by you stumbling over your own words, then you're going to have to invest in yourself. You're going to have to take time and you're going to have to sacrifice. I mean, I built this entire brand. It's not fair for me to write an article for the Entrepreneur's Banker on truest time. It's not fair. So I do that all at night. And that means that my son goes to bed and I sit there and I'm typing away until 10 o'clock. That means that on the weekends, I'm, I'm batching my videos so that over the next two weeks, I can sit there and edit them and then have a class ready to launch. It takes time. It takes effort. But, but don't, 
who cares if you're consistently putting information out and it, you don't have to be the number one on Google. You have to be out there and just do it. Have the strength to do it. And don't be discouraged if you're not producing the level of content and the quality that James Robert is. I mean, he's he's got a lot of time. At the, this is podcast number 70. 70. So, I mean, it's, and you probably learned so much more now compared to like when I look back at that first article, it was, it was basically, you know, why do you need to have an entrepreneur's banker? I look at that as like, man, that was really, really bad. But I but think it was out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, with that being in mind, we're, we're 70 episodes in, we've learned a tremendous amount. I'm happy to transfer as just as much knowledge, you know, to others as, as, as you have today. But I, I'd like to just sum this up, you know, Anyone can really make the commitment to do this. It's a commitment in yourself. It's really my hope, my hope for this industry that financial brands create some space and time. Maybe it's just an hour of day for their bankers to start making this part of their own workflow. And it all boils down to one thing. It's just cash. And I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, currency money coins i'm talking about cash is k-a-s-h it's knowledge it's attitude it's systems and it's most importantly it's habits it's the continuous commitment to create content to help educate empower and elevate others so greg i appreciate all of the knowledge that you have transferred today to inspire and empower and elevate others that are listening. If someone wants to continue this conversation with you, what is the best way for them just to connect and say hello personally? Yeah, uh, probably two, two different ways. Uh, one, LinkedIn. That's the social media platform that I'm most active on. So I am the Entrepreneur's Banker uh, in, Col- in Bryan College Station, Texas. Or if you go to theentrepreneursbanker.com, there's a connect with me that you can you can uh, reach out to me that'll that'll get to my inbox and we'll continue the conversation. I, I really, I'm with you. I hope and pray that more RMs do this. There's a couple bankers out there that are doing this. Paul Long up in Washington State um, he did an amazing job. Nelly uh, Bartholomew, who's with I think it's Grand Savings Bank. Uh, she's got the Girls Bankers podcast. So there, there are some bankers out there that are doing this much better than I, but if there's anything I can do to help you guys along this journey, please let me know. Cause it's been tough for two years and I could probably short circuit some frustrations that I had. Yeah. Shout out to Paul. Shout out to Natalie. Shout out to you, Greg. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of banking on digital growth as always. And until next time, be well, do good and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.